0: All right, so I've told this story before. And uh, so if you've heard it before, please bear with me because it's gonna make sense later on in the message. Now, when Melissa and I were in our 20s, we decided that we wanted to have children. I was a youth pastor. She was a children's pastor. And so we had been pointing into everybody else's kid and we had it in our heart to have a child of her own, at least one. And so we had tried to have a child for seven years, but no baby, we prayed, we, did every, we, we, we had other people pray. Some of you all prayed for us. And so we took all the scriptures about having children and we prayed all those scriptures. We did everything that you're supposed to do, but no child. We even looked into adoption, but it was so expensive. We couldn't afford the, uh, the tens of thousands of dollars that it would cost, but we had it in our heart. And this was Melissa's prayer that she would be a mom by the time that she was 30 years old. Well, her birthday is in November, and the year that she was gonna turn 30, we were hopeful in, uh, in having that she would conceive at least by February so that we knew she would have a child by the time that she was 30. February came and went, no baby. We were devastated. It, we, it had been seven long years of praying and waiting in hope and in faith, but no child. It actually looked like at that moment that God had not been working with us, that he had actually abandoned the dream that he put in our hearts. It looked like all was lost, like our dreams were dead that God was not gonna provide, but he did provide, and I'll talk more about that later. If if this is your first Sunday with us, we're actually in the middle of a series that we have called What's in a Name?, And we are studying the names of God because all throughout scripture, he was giving lots of different specific names that reveal his character, his nature, and even his promises to us. And God has a lot of names and and each one of them reveal a unique aspect of who he is. And so that's why for the next few weeks, we're, we're going on a journey to discover some of the names of God so that we can know him better because and this is our theme verse for this series is those who know his name trust in him for you lord have never forsaken those who seek you in other words it's the people who know god's name who trust him who know who he is in his essence that trust him and that's what we all want because we know that the more that we trust him the more that we know him the more that he can actually work through us and then the more that we win in the life that we want to live and that he wants us to live. So last week we talked about Jehovah Shalom, which translates to God of peace. And if you missed that, you can, and you could use more peace in your life. You can check it out on our YouTube channel or the, um, the church center app. So, but today we're going to be talking about a different name of God. And so if you would turn to Genesis 22. And in Genesis 22, God actually asked something of a man named Abraham, and he asked something that would, something that would seem unthinkable, unreasonable. And to be honest, just transparent, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But before we go there, let's rewind. Let's get a little bit of background on this guy, Abraham. Abraham used to be known as Abram, and and he lived in a land called Ur. He didn't have any children. He didn't have any land to his name at all. And so God shows up, and he says, hey, I got a plan for you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But there's a catch. You have to leave everything that you know, all your family, and go to a land that I'm going to show you somewhere somewhere. So he does, he packs up, he and his wife set off for this land and, and God had promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations, but there, but years go by and there's no baby and Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they're getting older and the biological clock is ticking. And then Sarah, maybe feeling like the weight of her own barrenness, she comes up with this crazy plan for Abraham to sleep with his servant, Abraham, and have a child through her. And so Abraham, maybe out of desperation, maybe because he thinks it's a shortcut to God's promise, but anyway, he agrees. And and just let me tell you, that decision creates a mess of epic proportions that we still deal with today. It's drama, jealousy, all the family family stuff. But against all odds, finally, Sarah becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son. And can you imagine at that moment, the joy, the relief, After we waited, we waited seven years, but this was decades. Now, fast forward, they have a baby named Isaac. Fast forward 20 years, life is good. Abraham has land. He's got his promised son. It seems like the hard part is over. And then God shows up again and he asks something that will shake Abraham to his core. And that's where we pick up the story in Genesis 22:2, God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. And so it's like, okay, God, cool, father-son trip. We'll have a good time. We're going to leave the girls back. You know, we're going to take off for Moriah. What happens in Moriah stays in Moriah. So life is good. All right, God, you've been so good to me with the land you, got, you led me to, the prosperity. And of course, Isaac, he's gonna make me the father of many nations. And this is where the music changes because God continues and says, oh, and one more thing. I want you to sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I'm gonna show you. Excuse me? What? I don't know about you, but if I were Abraham, I'd be thinking, hang on. Oh, let's hold up for just a second. You... Promised me descendants as, as numerous as the stars. You gave me a son. And as you pointed out, he's my only son. And I love him. And now you're asking me to do what? And that's the tension. That's the problem. That's the thing we're tackling today. We've all been there. We're going through a hard time, but we're holding on to God's promises. But they seem to be slipping through our fingers. Maybe for you, it's a job loss. Maybe it's a medical diagnosis or a relationship that's falling apart. But you're standing there and you're asking, God, I've been speaking your word. Where's the provision that you promised in your word? It's your promise. You promised to take care of me. So why does it feel like I'm on my own? Here's something that we've all experienced. And this is is the issue, is that the issue is when there's a disconnect between what God has promised and what we're experiencing right now. You know, God's word says one thing, but what you're experiencing right now is anything but that. This is the tension we all deal with. And sometimes it's easy to think that we're the only one that's going through that. But we've all gone through that. I know I have. And our spiritual father, Abraham, is no exception either. And let me tell you that that disconnect between the promise and your reality, man, that could shake your faith. The tension it could challenge your relationship with God. There are moments in life that make us question everything that we think we know. Imagine being Abraham. You follow God's call. You left your homeland and he's been faithful. Now it did take a really long time, but you know, you, maybe you understand because after all, he's God. He's been around for a really long time. So, I mean, that's a long time to me, but you know, for him, it was probably just a blip. So I get that, but this God, how are you asking this of me? Abraham's caught in that tension that we all feel at some point, that disconnect between what God's promised and what we're going through and we're experiencing right now. When, it seemed, when, it, when what we're experiencing doesn't seem to line up with what he's promise, promises, we're, we're wrestling with this, right? And you might be sitting there thinking like, yeah, I'm going through that. And so is there an out of this? Is there, a, is there an answer to this? And I've got good news for you. And it's not found, the answer is not found in a, in a motivational seminar or a good book. It's not even found in trying harder or doing better. The answer is found in this name that we're gonna discover today. And I'm telling you, when we grasp the depth of this name and who it means God is, it unlocks a whole life of peace and trust. It's a game changer and a life of provision when it seems like our, his promises don't line up with our reality. So what we're getting ready to unpack, it really could be a game changer for you. So back to our story, Genesis 22. So God tests Abraham's faith, right? He asks him to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac. Now, I can't even begin to imagine the emotional turmoil that Abraham was going through. But he trusts God. And early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and Isaac. And watch this. He cut enough wood for the burnt offering. And he set out for the place God had told him about. Now, if you remember, the, the place that God told him to go was to Moriah, right? Now, here's the cool thing. Side note, Moriah is not some random place. Anytime God gives specific instructions for things like this, it's always significant. And Moriah, it's not just any place. It's actually loaded with significance. So before this account, the Bible tells us that Abraham is living in Beersheba in the land of the Philistines. And so uh, this is, Israel is in the Middle East. And so here's Africa, the Middle East and ancient Israel is right here. All right, so when you zoom in, you can see uh, Israel. This is the Gaza Strip that we're hearing so much about right now. And so Abraham lives in Beersheba. It's actually still a town, a city today. And so he has to travel on foot from Beersheba to Moriah to sacrifice Isaac. Now here's where it gets really, really cool. Scholars place the actual mountain that Abraham and Isaac go to as the future site of the temple in Jerusalem, the place of God. It's like God is saying, Abraham, I've called you to be a father of nations and I want you to go to the very place that is the spiritual heart, that will be the spiritual heart of, of Israel. So when God tells Abraham to go to Moriah, he's not just sending him to some random location, it's prophetic. He's sending them to a place that's going to be the cornerstone of faith for generations to come, where God's pr- provision and presence are unmistakable. It's pretty cool, right? That's even, uh, they even say that uh, scholars even think that this is the place where Jesus will return, is on Mount Moriah. That's, that's so cool. So anyway, um, Abraham gets there to the foot of the mountain and he, he, uh, he, he, brings him up to to the altar. He ties him up. And just as he's got the knife up, getting ready to do the unthinkable, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. Now, remember last week, whenever we hear the angel of the Lord, you know who that is, right? It's Jesus. It's actually Jesus before he was born as a child and got his name, Jesus. So this is Jesus calling from heaven. And he says, Abe, Abe. Actually, I think he used his whole name, but he says, hold up. And Abraham's like, here I am. That's code for like, you cut it a little close here. So Jesus replies, don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. Now the word fear here in the original language, it translates to worship or to revere. So he's saying, Jesus is saying, I know you revere God because you have not withheld from me, your son, your only son. Now, let's just be honest here for just a second. I know it was a different time. I know it was a different culture. But I'm sorry, I can't even begin to imagine that I could do this. Like, how could he even think of killing his own son? But when we read this story, there's something that sometimes we miss in it. Because here you've got Jesus stepping in to intervene. Jesus calls down to Abraham, who is willing to sacrifice his only son. Does that sound familiar? It's the same thing that Jesus's Father, or Heavenly Father, will have to do when Jesus is born as a man and has to pay the ultimate price for our sin. Our Heavenly Father, thousands of years later, will sacrifice his own Son, even having the power to save him, but standing back and allowing it to happen to happen. Let that sink in for a second. In the same way, it's hard to fathom us standing back and letting our children be tortured and killed. Our heavenly father had to, that's what he had to endure. And not just let it happen, but let it happen to save the very people who are abusing and killing his own son. And watch this. I think Jesus knowing the future, I think he's so excited to stop Abraham because even though Abraham is willing to do the same thing that his heavenly father will have to do, Jesus gets to save Abraham the pain that his own father will have to go through. Wow. And what happens next? Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns in in like a thicket or briars. And he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Now, Now don't miss this because this is the key. This ram is more than just an animal. It wasn't random. It was a symbol of God's incredible provision. It's like God was saying, Abraham, I see your faith. I see your willingness to obey and I will provide. And for us, thousands of years later, that ram in the thicket, it points to something even greater, the sacrifice of Jesus, the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. God will provide. And look, if you're here today and you haven't, you cannot be good enough to get into heaven. You can't be good enough. I'm going to try. You can't be good enough because you have to be perfect because God is perfect and heaven is perfect. And if you show up in heaven and you're not perfect, heaven's not, you destroy the whole place because you're there. Here's the thing is that sacrifice that he gave on the cross was to pay for your sin so that you could be perfect. Perfect, blameless, spotless, not because of anything that you did or anything that you earned. And today after the service, if you've never given your life to Christ or maybe you've fallen away directly after the service, remember I was talking about elders being willing to pray for people? They also will pray for you about that. All you gotta do is just kind of let them know, hey, that's my position. So God provides even when it looks like there's nowhere to be, to, to be found. So Abraham called the place God will provide, which is translated Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And in that moment, Abraham understood God as his provider, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And it's a lesson that, that reaches us through the ages of time, just re- even when we're in our own desperate moments, that God is gonna come through on his promises, that God sees us and provides for us in ways that we could never imagine. You see, Abraham had a promise of God that he was gonna be a father of many nations, but he only had one son, and God was asking him to sacrifice that son. So this is my question to us. What promise does it look like is not gonna happen? What promise has God made in his word? Is it provision? Is it healing? What promise looks like it might might fall through? Which promise is that for you? Well, here's what I want you to see today, is that God's provision is not limited by our perception. What Abraham perceived at that moment, God's promise was not limited at all to his perception of things. And God's promises to you are not limited by your perception of what's going on in that moment and in that time. This is the thing is like even uh, understanding God as Jehovah Jireh, I'm telling you, it changes everything in your life. It changes absolutely everything. And the reason that it changes everything, when you understand his name and, that, and what essence of who he is that that name represents, it changes everything because it changes how you see your problems. It changes how you see your problems. Where it, at one moment, you're focused on your problems, but a moment later, you're focused on Jehovah Jireh, that he is your provider no matter what. How many of you ever tried to find a car and you were looking for a car and you had a car that you liked and then you never noticed that car before until after you went and were looking for that car and then you saw them everywhere. Well, here's the thing. That happens because now you're focused on it. And when you're focused on your lack of provision and when you're focused on that dissonance between God's promise and what's going on, sometimes we miss the things that are all around us all the time. But when you know Jehovah Jireh, when you know who he is, when you know the goodness of God and that he is your provider, even when you don't perceive it, even when you don't know, like the song says, even when you don't know what's going on, you're in tune to seeing his provision. And when you're in tune to seeing his provision, you're in tune to actually taking advantage, not in a bad way, but actually stepping up and walking in the provision of God because you're tuned in and you're looking for it. It's a situation and it feels like it's all going south. It feels like the ship's going down, but you're like, yeah, but I know that Jehovah Jireh is my God and I know his personality. I know his character, I know his essence. So where is it? Where is it? Where is the, the ram in the thicket in my life? Look at this, in Romans, Paul says, and we know that all things, all things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose all things, not just some things, but actually all things, that God works all things for your good. But how many times do we miss that because we're not looking for it? How many times is he actually doing things, but we completely miss it because we don't understand his name, Jehovah Jireh. When we trust God as our provider, When we trust God, when we see him as our provider and we trust him as our provider for whatever it may be relationships, it may be financial, it may be health. When we trust God as our provider, it frees us up emotionally and it frees us up practically. Emotionally, because you don't have to worry and you don't have to stress anymore because you know he's got it. And practically, because you can't imagine what he has in store for you. If we just trust him as our provider, just like Abraham did. Look at what Paul also said in Philippians 4. He said, and my God will meet all of your needs. How? According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Well, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't have it. That's exactly right. Because he's going to meet all your needs according to his riches. But what happens when that promise doesn't look like my circumstances That's the tension in between. And you know who goes, you know who fits in that tension is Jehovah Jireh and faith and trust in Jehovah Jireh. Here's the thing is once again, why um, Jesus actually said this, and Jesus spoke to this whole thing and he said, and why do you worry about clothes? In other words, he's talking about provision. Why do you worry about clothes? Why do you worry about the provision and the different things that, uh, that, that you need? And so he says, see how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon, the richest man that we know ever, ever existed. And even Solomon, Jesus is saying, even Solomon is not dressed like one of these, but yet it doesn't, it doesn't stress. It doesn't have anxiety. It doesn't even work. And yet God takes care of the flowers. So then he says, and if that is how good, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow's gone, will he not much more clothe you? I love, you know, I've started doing this. It's it's been a little while that I kind of got this revelation of this verse. And whenever I pass a flower, it could just—it could be a little flower that's growing out of the cracks of a sidewalk or anything like that. I stop and I pay attention, and I meditate on God's provision. Like, if if He did this, why am I worried? Why why have any anxiety? Well, yeah, but this person's treat me that way in this situation. I just don't know. Yeah, but but if God did this. How much more does he care about you and will clothe you? And then Jesus, after making this beautiful analogy of flowers and how much more he cares about you than just some flowers. After this, he talks, he's talking about Jehovah Jireh. That's what he's talking about is God being our provider. And it's not by anything that you could do other than just trust him. We call that faith. So after Jesus paints all this picture of what, and he, and he ends it, it's a beautiful illustration. And, and I like to think maybe he picked a flower at that moment and he was just kind of showing it as an illustration like we have today. And after he says, will not God, not much more clothe you, he, he finishes this statement with four words. And I, and I just wanna warn you that these four words They sting a little. And so at first you're like, ow, Jesus, because he says, you of little faith. I'm like, it was such a beautiful illustration and you just ruined it, Jesus. I was feeling so good about myself and all that kind of stuff. And then you say, oh, you of little faith. But I don't think he's trying to shame us. I think he's trying to illustrate the tension between us saying that we trust God And at the same time, us worrying about things. I think that he is drawing just, he's using this illustration to encourage us that you trust me. And I know you trust me. And even like the, like the father says, I have faith, but help my unbelief, help the faith that I don't have, help me strengthen my faith. And I think Jesus here is, is drawing an illustration to that tension between our faith and what we say we do. And yet, our worry and our anxiety and what we perceive to be the issue. But the, it, but the thing is, is that God's vision or provision isn't limited to my perception of what's going on. He's not limited to what I think is gonna happen or what I think or I'm worried about. That doesn't, that doesn't limit him at all. So to finish the story about Melissa and I trying to have children there was a time where we mourned the child that we never had. And we went through a pretty dark time, just to be transparent. But then, after some reflection and some prayer and stuff like that, we just decided that hey, I'm a youth pastor, Melissa's a children's pastor. And so, we're, God, we trust you that you know better than we do. And so, we just decided, you know what? We're gonna pour everything we got into other people's children. And if these are our children, we're gonna do everything we can to help make children arrows in the hands of warriors. We're gonna partner with parents and we're just gonna dig in. Well, that's the summer of that same year. The phone rang and I picked it up and there was a voice of a young lady. And this young lady, she said, you don't know me, but I know you and Melissa. You see, a couple years ago, I visited your youth ministry and I found myself pregnant out of wedlock. But I know God has a plan for the baby that's in my stomach, that's in my womb. And I want to know, would you all pray about adopting my, my baby? And so on October the 2nd, that year, with, a whole, with more than a month to spare before Melissa's 30th birthday, Josiah Dean Corona was born. And listen to this, he's now 21 years old and he leads worship in the band, in the youth band of the youth ministry that his mother, his birth mother found us in 21 years ago. Tell me that God is good. Because God's provision is not limited to our perception. We have to remember that. Is even when it seems like all is lost, even when it seems like God's not coming through, I don't know what you're gonna do, God. I don't know how you're gonna do it. All I know is I've gotta trust you. What else am I gonna do? I've gotta trust you. That because you care care so much, you care about the lilies of the field, the flowers. That's such a great illustration of how much you care for me and how much you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. So here's what I want you to do with this flower this week. Just let's let's make it practical for just a second. I'd like for you to take this home, hang on to it, take it home, put it in some water and just for the next seven days, put it somewhere where you'll see it every day. And just as you walk by, just examine it, consider it for just a second and all the stuff that you got going on, all the things that tempt you to worry, all the things that tempt you to be anxious, just look at that flower. Consider it, that God is your provider. And if he provides for this flower who doesn't, doesn't have any faith, it doesn't toil, but it also doesn't fret, or have anxiety or anything like that. And if he provides this flower better than Solomon himself, then how much more will he provide for you? Just this week for seven days. And maybe it might, you might have to have fresh flowers in your house forever now because you wanna just remember every morning, I need that, I need to remember. But I'm telling you, life can be completely different when you understand, when I understand who Jehovah Jireh is for me. And look, and it's not just for us because here's the thing, is when I'm worried about my own stuff, when you're worried about your own stuff, guess who you're focused on all the time? You. But God has called us to those that are outside of just us. God has called us to be a blessing to those outside. So now you have room in your life. You have availability in your life. This is not about ability. This is about availability in your heart that you're like, yeah, God's got that. So let me focus on helping this other person. God's got that financially. So let me help, let me focus through something. God's got that emotionally. So let let me help somebody else. When we understand the power of Jehovah Jireh, That's when things begin to happen in your life that you never could perceive before. Will you stand with me?